All information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. You should consider the appropriateness of this information with regards to your individual objectives, financial situation and needs. Welcome to Sharing More Than The Sheets, a podcast to help you and your partner make better financial and lifestyle decisions so that you can both focus on the things that you love. I'm your host, Michael Curry, financial planner, green thumb, husband, and just dad. DIY, doing it yourself. Today, we're going to be talking about DIY when it comes to somebody's financial situation and why it may or may not work. I'm going to be explaining some examples as to when DIY has actually paid off in some situations, in some where it just really, really hasn't. So starting off, just to drop a disclaimer, I hate paying for anything. If there's something I can do without having to pay someone to do it, I would obviously prefer to do it myself. But on that note, something that I need to explain and something that a lot of people do know but seem to sort of forget is to consider in any situation what the opportunity cost is if they do it themselves and get it wrong. For example, would you build a house yourself? Probably not, because the opportunity cost there would be humongous if you had stuffed it up. Because all it takes is one small mistake in the foundations of the house or the structure, and a year later you could be waking up in the morning and the house is on top of you. Would you plant some seeds in the garden yourself? Yes, you would. Because if you sort of stuff that up, eh, seeds are seeds, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, you get a pack of seeds. I bought some seeds yesterday from Bunnings. You get, I don't know how many hundreds of seeds for three or four bucks. There's always the opportunity cost that needs to be considered when somebody's thinking of doing something themselves. The other issue that I sort of find these days is sometimes people aren't really aware of the opportunity cost of doing something themselves. Um, They just assume that it's better than nothing. And I'm going to give you some examples now. One is where DIY has actually worked out for someone. Had a client once where I met them for the first time and for probably at least 10 or 15 years of their working life, they had done things themselves. They had done research online. They spoke to friends and family. They got in touch with experts, got information out of them um, and did things themselves as far as superannuation is concerned. They had some insurance there. They had bank accounts set up and looking at their situation, they actually hadn't done too bad at all. You know, they had chosen a decent fund. Um, The investment option inside it suited them really well. They understood how it worked because again, they had done their research. Um, The insurances, I'm not going to say were perfect, but they gave their family the protection that they needed, um, you know, and they understood how the insurances worked, um, what they didn't cover them for, and they knew exactly how much they were paying. Now, to be completely frank, that situation, I would probably say that that is probably 10, maybe 20% of the population that do it themselves financially. This person that I had met, for example, had done a lot of reading. This person was interested in the side of things, in finances. This person was financially literate enough to understand what a product disclosure statement contained and what certain words meant. And this person had put in the time to do the research. A situation where DIY is a massive failure 
is when somebody, for example, isn't really financially literate enough to understand the words in a product disclosure statement or to understand what the difference is between certain things or when somebody doesn't really have the motivation or the time to read up on things or, you know, or the, I guess, the the attention to detail when comparing certain things. You know, these are the times where we see it regularly as advisors where somebody, for example, will talk to a friend or a family member and they'll ask them, you know, they'll just get information off them or advice and just to see what, what works for them. Because if it works for them, it might work for them. You know, it work, if it works for their friend, it most likely works for them, right? The answer most of the time is no, because everybody's situation is completely different. Um, you know, just talking to, some, talking to a co-worker about superannuation can sometimes be a massive fail. Because if that co-worker, for example, is in their 50s, and you're in your 20s, they're going to have completely different goals to you. They're going to have, their their investment horizon is completely different to yours. You know, they're retiring within the next 15, 20 years, um, while you've got decades ahead of you. So age is a big thing. Um, financial situation, financial circumstances, you know, can, can affect whether advice that works for one person is going to work for another. Because, you know, you could be, talking to somebody about investment advice, yet they earn twice as much as you and have three times more savings in the bank. Goals. This is probably the biggest thing as financial advisors that we work with when it comes to helping clients financially is what their goals are, what they are working towards, what they want to achieve. You know, for example, talking to somebody, talking to person A, their main priority might be to boost the superannuation or to retire at a certain age. Talking to another person, their main goal might be to save up for a wedding, you know, or to pay off debt because they've got three times more debt than the first person. So so the point that I'm trying to make here is that every person has different factors in their life that influence their financial situation now and in the future. And what works for one person most of the time does not work for another. And if it happens to work for that person, and this goes back to my example of somebody that does things themselves, many times they'll look back five years later and sort of realize that this amazing advice that they got on their superannuation has clashed with this amazing advice that they got on their insurance from another friend. Um, And that strategy has clashed with the investment advice that they got off Google. And what tends to happen as well is that you suddenly have different strategies working in different places, but they're not working together, you know, and the idea of having an advisor or having an overall strategy is to look at everything as one big picture to make sure that that there's one story, essentially, you know, that there's a story being told, that there's a reason for why things are the way they are. And as you, if you've ever looked at this yourself, if you've ever read a product disclosure statement, if you've ever compared insurance companies or super funds, you will find that there are so many different options to choose from. There are so many different variables to products, you know, to, to different, there's different ways of structuring things. There's different, there's, there's a lot more to it than most people think. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a free 15 minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au. Moving on to opportunity cost. This is where most of the time, people don't realize what an op- what their op- their opportunity cost is. Essentially, what the cost is going to be if they get things wrong. 
before I get to that, I just want to give an example, a real life example that just literally happened to me three weeks ago. We put a new fence at the front of our house and I've had these house numbers sitting in my garage for the last two months to put up for our house. And I've got a friend that is, he knows, he's a handyman, he, he knows what he's doing and I've been waiting for him to come around and do it. Admittedly, I haven't really reminded him to come around, which is why he hasn't. Either way, the other week I thought I'd do it myself. And I went out, I took out like six different measuring devices. I've got the level, I've got a bigger level, I've got a smaller level, I've got a thin ruler, I've got a big ruler. All these things to make sure that the holes that I screw into this rendered wall, this freshly rendered and painted wall, by the way, to make sure that these holes align with these numbers that are going onto the wall because there's two numbers. And the holes on each number are in different sections. Sorry, the, the pins are in different sections. So the holes on each side need to have different lengths, different distances between them. But at the same time, they, they need to be level so that when the numbers are on the wall, it looks good. I spent at least half an hour, 45 minutes measuring things, testing them on other pieces of, on a piece of cardboard. And I measured things out. I did the first hole, looked okay. Did the second hole, looked okay, went away, measured things again, put lines, got my pencil, worked out where the next holes are going to be. Long story short, after 45 minutes, at least probably an hour and a half actually altogether of planning and screwing these holes, which by the way would have probably taken my friend 10 minutes, I did it and I realized I had stuffed it up. I don't know what I calculated wrong, but one number was much higher than the other. So I spent another 45 minutes fixing that up, at least 45 minutes, because by the time I took them out, I didn't want to stuff it up. It's a freshly painted wall. Got distracted halfway with kids and someone run just nearly, one of them nearly running out onto the street. So I had to do some damage control there, put them back in the backyard, lock the gate, come back outside. And I ended up getting it right. But now there's a hole on the wall, in the wall, just sitting there, which when my painter comes around, I need to get him to plaster up and paint again. My point is here is what took me probably two and a half, three hours altogether would have taken a professional probably 10 or 15 minutes to do. Secondly, even if I was paying my friend to put put them up for me, I would have been better off paying my friend to do it because A, it would have been done faster. And secondly, it would have been done properly without a hole in the wall. So this is just a small example, but when I finished it, I actually had a bit of a laugh to myself because I spend my time when I talk to somebody for the first time, I spend time explaining to them how DIY is not the best idea and why you should always get professionals and the risks of doing things yourselves that I had literally just gone against my own advice and tried to do it myself. So I don't know if many of you can relate to this. I'm sure a lot of you can when it comes to anything. When I first bought my house, you know, my first house, I did a lot of things myself. Five years later, I had to redo half of it, you know, like whether the the particular fitting on the wall started to fall off. You know, the, the garden bed, I chose cheap materials for certain parts. And over three or four years, I had just rotted and fell apart and weeds started to grow everywhere. So there's one garden bed I've had to rip out and put in all over again because I never did it properly the first time, even though I thought I had done enough research. So DIY, in summary, does not work for everyone. In fact, 80% of the time when it comes to finances, it does not work from my experience, that is. So it is very important to seek financial advice. It's very important to do research 
and pay someone to do the work if you can and if it's viable. I say when it's viable in this situation. For example, let somebody, let's say somebody has $5,000 in super. If they stuff things up, that $5,000 at that point, if they lose 1% of that $5,000, it's obviously not going to be as significant as if they lost $100,000. Sorry, as if they had $100,000 and lost 1% of that. Another, ex- But on that note, somebody should in that situation consider the long-term effect of that decision. And there's an article that I want to refer to this article is from 2014, but has stuck. But these figures have stuck in my mind since that date. And what essentially this article is explaining is that if somebody in their 20s, somebody that's 25, is to improve their superannuation return by just 1%, which could be either A, cutting fees, or B, increasing investment returns by 1%, if they can improve it by just 1%, they would have potentially an extra $250,000 in their super at retirement. That's 1% per year, by the way, sorry, an annual super return of just 1% or cutting fees by 1% would give them an extra $250,000 potentially in retirement. Um, Now, this research was conducted by Rainmaker. Um, They're a superannuation research group. And what they worked out is that extra 1% would potentially give someone an extra 32% in super by the time that person turns 70. Now, the assumption there is somebody is 25, they're earning a salary of $50,000, and they're achieving a standard net return after fees of 6%. And they assume that their returns are improved by 1% a year, and that their employer is paying their superannuation guarantee contributions into that fund every year. So obviously, these figures will not relate to everyone, particularly those earning less than $50,000, those that are older than 25. But as you can tell, it illustrates a very valid point that just that small difference over a long period of time makes such a big difference, $250,000. So my point is somebody that's 25, or anyone actually, that sets something up, for example, let's say they set up their superannuation and they could have potentially have chosen a better option Okay, or they could have potentially been in a fund that's charging less fees, if that's if that's what's best for them. That particular person wouldn't know any better. That they literally would have no idea that they could have been they could have more money in the future. In my experience, the time that that person would normally realize they've stuffed up, or that they could have been making more money, or they could potentially have had more money in their super, is when they hit a certain age and they're looking at a friend of theirs, for example that's been working just as long, that's been earning about the same income, but has an extra 40, 50% in super. And then the questions get asked. Sometimes I'll come back to me. I've had people come back to me with that exact question and we'll look at their situation and I will find that their investments weren't set up efficiently at all, or they were in a fund that wasn't performing well, or their fees were just ridiculous for no justified reason. You know, it's essentially it's too late by then. You know, you can't turn back time. You can't literally jump in a time machine and change the past so essentially the 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 moral of the story the 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 feedback or the the point that I want to leave with everyone today is that if you can seek financial advice if you can afford financial advice get it because it will make it and if you have a good financial advisor they'll be honest with you up front and they'll tell you whether it's worth paying them 
for the advice because most of the time it is. Most of the time, to be honest with you, just paying someone to be told what you're doing is right is still worth it because the worst thing you can do is just assume. And as I said, the cost of having things set up wrong can potentially be a lot more than the cost of actually getting advice to make sure that you're on the right track. Hopefully today has helped. Hopefully this podcast gives you some insight and some something to think about when it comes to your current financial situation. All I can say is pass on the message. If you've got friends, family, especially if you have someone young in your life, be it a little brother, sister, friend, somebody starting off, pass on the wisdom. Give them that piece of advice to seek financial advice, to start talking to someone young. Um, you know, I know a lot of young people, especially someone in their teens, most of the time they do not care about their super, you know, they know it's there and, you know, whatever, it is what it is, you know, but if they can put in that time and effort and actually, you're not just teens, even someone in their 20s, 30s, 40s, it's never too late, but even if somebody can just make sure that what they have is set up properly, that it's appropriate to their circumstance, in their needs, in their goals, they'll really thank themselves in the future. Thanks for joining us on Sharing More Than The Sheets. Please make sure you subscribe to be updated with future episode releases. Please visit us at sharingmorethanthesheets.com.au to submit questions or requests for future podcast topics. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au.